Awesome. Right, guys. Um, as Matt said, 30-minute Q&A at the end. But yeah, ask questions in the chat as we go. Um, and I'll pick those out at the end and we can go through in more detail and more context. But yes, yeah, a 30-minute presentation and we'll go through the science of sleep. We'll go through everything that links with health and sleep. And uh, make sure you're taking notes because I love the Q&A at the end and I really want to help you guys out as much as I can. So with that uh, being said, let's get stuck in. So uh, why sleep? Why is sleep so important when it comes to health and fitness? So 23% of the UK <clears throat> currently get under five hours of sleep, which is a huge amount of people. It's approximately 18 million. And 29% of the UK currently sits in the obese category. Now, when we look at the correlation between sleep deprivation and the risk of obesity, we can see the UK slapped bang in the middle there on under five hours, 23% of the population, the risk of obesity being 50%. Now, if we look at under four hours, the extreme end of sleep deprivation, a risk of obesity is 75%. And under six hours, the risk is 25%. Now, we'll go into the science behind this later on. There's just some interesting facts there to open up. Now, if we look at sleep as um, recovery, we can also look at sleep as um, burning even more calories whilst we're resting. So when we are sleeping for, say, eight hours, and it's optimal for us, we're actually burning the equivalent of around 440 calories, which is about the same as running on a treadmill at a good pace for 40 minutes or so. So if we're getting a workout done in a day, not only are we burning calories then, but we're also burning calories whilst we're resting and recovering because our body is functioning properly and it's actually helping our metabolism as we sleep. It's producing all the right hormones at the right time and it's helping our body recover ready to take on the next day. So you're effectively getting in two workouts. So this is where sleep and weight loss can come in uh, in even more of a correlation when it comes to um, optimal sleep. Now, if we look at sleep deprivation, we see these signs commonly <clears throat> amongst loads of people that we may know or we may work with. We have obviously fatigue, brain fog, reduced creativity, a lack of motivation is huge for people who are sleep deprived, reduced immunity and memory issues. Now, a lot of people don't actually associate these signs. They may seem obvious, but they don't associate these signs with sleep deprivation. A lot of people will go through the day and they don't actually think that they're sleep deprived. They just think that they need more caffeine or maybe they're just too stressed. Maybe they've had a particularly taxing day. The reality is their body's probably sleep deprived, as is their brain. And all of these signs are a warning sign of sleep deprivation. Some people think because they get eight hours in bed or nine hours in bed, they're getting good sleep and they're not sleep deprived. The reality is the quality of sleep is so more, much more important than the actual duration. So when we're looking at sleep as a whole, we don't just need to look at the hours spent in bed. We do need to consider the actual quality. And if we're getting poor quality, then we're more likely to suffer with these signs here. <clears throat> and of course, off the back of those signs, we underperform at work, we can binge on caffeine, we take prescription drugs such as sleeping pills, because that's the only known common cure for sleep deprivation. Coaches like myself and Angus, we are not common at all. So a common prescription drug is easy to access and we can go to the doctor and we can get diagnosed with insomnia or a sleep problem and we get the uh, packet of pills and that's what we label ourselves as. We make bad decisions, not necessarily gambling, hanging out with the wrong people, um, eating the wrong food as well. We're sleep deprived, our brain's not functioning as it needs to be. 
relationship issues it's a big one i've seen before people's mood is affected sex life is affected all of these signs are linked to sleep and excessive alcohol people love a drink to aid sleep they think they sleep better if they drink but unfortunately excessive alcohol is not a long-term cure and it does heavily heavily impact sleep quality overall of course the benefits of sleep very very obvious again improved cognitive ability we lose fat, we gain muscle, we increase our longevity, our happiness, mood, energy, and our productivity. And if we look as, uh, at sleep as part of a health optimization formula, obviously at the top, we have the accountability. Oh, Gary, I don't know why, I don't know if it's internet, it's just froze or etc nutrition plans as well and then obviously mindset at the bottom to take action you've all taken action you want better you want change you've invested in your health now sleep is obviously <clears throat> the pillar of our health but it's not actually mentioned much in this health optimization formula people tend to skip it however if we look at that first then the nutrition and fitness will become much, much easier to achieve. And in the long run, they'll be far more sustainable if our body is functioning properly. Obviously, if we're sleep deprived, as I've mentioned, motivation is going to be a problem, focus is going to be a problem, and we're not really going to stay on track. We're going to find it very, very difficult, and we may stray away from what we've actually been taught with our coach more often than we'd like. So if we get the sleep right, nutrition and fitness are so much easier to achieve. And ultimately, you're going to get the results you want for a more sustainable period when you incorporate all three of those things, sleep, nutrition and fitness. Sleep is the ultimate in recovery as well. When we hear recovery, we think of active recovery, such as massage or ice baths or, you know, even things like a sauna can really be beneficial for recovery. But people don't actually think that sleep is the best thing. Um, <clears throat> we prefer a massage because we can actually feel it working. When we're asleep, obviously we're not conscious of what's going on, but if we're getting really good quality, deep sleep and REM sleep, our body is producing human growth hormone from the pituitary gland. It's actually shredding fat, it's increasing our metabolism. It's removing all the toxins from our brain and cleansing our brain. Uh, there's toxins actually linked to Alzheimer's such as beta amyloid that can be found in the brain. Uh, body needs to remove during sleep so if we're not getting enough sleep the body's not being cleansed as much as it can be and ultimately we're going to wake up we're going to feel lethargic we're going to have too much lactic acid in our muscles still we're going to be really really stiff and sore so if we're getting enough sleep on top of the active recovery such as ice baths and massages then we're going to feel far far better than if we were just doing the massage alone and then still getting poor sleep Sleep drive and sleep pressure. I'll just quickly touch on this. So we can see at the bottom here, we have a, uh, I'll just use my mouse here. So we can see a circadian weight drive, which is our natural circadian rhythm, which I'll get into in a sec, that uh, peaks and flows throughout the day. And on top of that, we have our sleep pressure and our sleep drive. So throughout the day, there's a chemical building up in our body called adenosine, which is a byproduct of adenosine triphosphate, which is found in our, in our cells. And as we move and we work out and we go throughout our day, that breaks down and it attaches to the brain and it causes us to feel sleepy. So if we have a buildup of that, 
alongside a perfect circadian rhythm, we're going to start feeling sleepy at the right times and we're going to feel lethargic when we need to go to bed. So that's why when we go to sleep, we can see a drop off here, 11 p.m. on average of the adenosine, the body gets rid of it, cleanses it, and the process starts again. So this is the perfect example of a perfect circadian rhythm and a perfect sleep drive and sleep pressure. So this is why movement and uh, general exercise, even walking and things like that are so critical to actually helping us get the sleep that we need. So what is a circadian rhythm? Let's dive into that for you guys. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a bit of a sore throat. So a circadian rhythm is our 24 hour biological clock. So everything inside our body is on a 24 hour rhythm. You may have heard of this before. You may have a brief understanding of a circadian rhythm, but it's the body's processes. So everything is on a cycle. So the body won't do multiple things at multiple times. It likes to do everything chronologically and in order because that's how it functions best. However, if our circadian rhythm is erratic, we are going to bed at different times. We're getting up at different times. We're eating, exercising, watching TV too late. All of these things throw our circadian rhythm off balance. If we look at it in correlation with uh, wildlife or animals, they're on the same cycle every single day because unlike us, they don't have those distractions such as work, TV, um, fast food, all convenience things that can take us away from our natural circadian rhythm and our biological clock. So the body loves to do things on a timer. <clears throat> this slide here is just an example of um, when the body would do certain things. It doesn't mean it's uh, applies to you. But it's an example and an overview for you guys to look at to think of how the body likes to function. And if you're starting to feel sleepy at certain times or you're starting to feel more awake at certain times, that's your circadian rhythm kicking in. So listen to your body and understand what it wants at certain times. If you're feeling sleepy, you know, at say seven o'clock, that's probably time for you to start winding down. It's not time for you to do a workout. Again, in the morning, if you're dragging yourself out of bed, you're feeling really lethargic, there's no point going for a workout because it can potentially disrupt the circadian rhythm. But if you feel better in the afternoon or you feel better in the evening, then your circadian rhythm may be different and you may be better working out at that time. So it does depend. You have to listen to your body and not force it into a, um, a certain window just because you think it will potentially work for you. Biological rhythms. So I mentioned circadian rhythm. We also have uh, neuronal networks, which takes the brain around one second to access information. Sleep stages are 90 minutes or an hour and a half, however you want to phrase that. A sleep cycle is obviously 24 hours between when we go to bed, uh, one day to the next. Menstrual cycle for women is 28 days on average. Pregnancy is nine months. And even a weather app, we can open up a weather app and we can see the tide uh, high tide, low tide, and the rise and fall of the sun. That whole earth is on a rhythm and humans are no different. We just have modern day distractions that really inhibit our natural biological clocks and ultimately affect our health. So the closer we can get back to that through optimal sleep and through our routines and our habits, the more likely we are to improve our health and our overall sleep. Just a quick overview again here of a circadian rhythm. So in the morning, we have a spike in cortisol, which will get us out of bed. It will raise our body temperature and it will uh, wake us up. Um, and then throughout the day, that will dip naturally. And then in the evening, we'll see an increase in the sleep hormone melatonin. Now, 
as well as that, we're going to see body temperature increase and decrease. So obviously throughout the day, the body temperature will increase in the morning and then level out throughout the day. And as we go to sleep, <clears throat> it will lower. And deep sleep occurs at the coolest point. So we like to see deep sleep around this period here between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m., where the body is at its coolest and it's lowered down. And I'll get into a bit more around that later on as well and how temperature affects the body. And then again in the morning, we're going to see a natural rise in body temperature, which will cause us to wake up, cause us to open our eyes and cause us to get the blood pumping again to actually get our muscles going in the morning. So if we're having a perfect circadian rhythm, then this is the exact cycle that the body will be doing in regards to waking up, cooling down and uh, producing cortisol in the morning as well. Uh, three clocks, we've mentioned biological. We also have social, of course, we have family commitments, we have work, kids, etc., things like that that we need to think about. And we have solar, which is the rise and fall of the sun and the rise and fall of the moon. So in the UK, uh, obviously daylight savings time is a big thing. So October to March, we have around eight hours of daylight and eight hours of diminished light, eight hours of darkness as a whole. So summer, obviously the opposite, we're in summer now, you know, the days are longer. Diminished light is around two hours and darkness is around six hours. Now the biggest influencer on circadian rhythm overall is light and dark. So the more light we can get at the right times, the more likely we are to have our circadian rhythm on track and function properly. The reason being the light proteins in the eye, light sensing proteins, pick up on the pigmentation from the sun or from artificial light, the devices that we can buy uh, that emit very, very similar pigmentation to sunlight. And it tells the master clock in the brain that it's time to uh, get going. If it's bright light or if it's dim light representative of the sun going down, then that will tell the brain that it's time to start producing melatonin and it's time to start winding down for sleep. So if we're getting really bright light late on at night, so around 10 p.m. we're still watching TV and it's bright light or working at our screen, the brain doesn't know that. The brain is only sensing the light source that it's getting. It doesn't know it's a laptop. It's only picking up on the pigmentation such as blue light or white light. And it's ultimately telling the brain that it's still time to wake up. And the body may be sleepy, but the brain is doing the opposite. And we need both of these things to be on the same page. So this is why light is such a big influencer. In the winter, obviously, it's hard to get sunlight in the morning, but we can use artificial devices that will help us. We can buy certain alarm clocks. We can buy certain uh, natural daylight emitting diodes as well that will help. And all of this helps to regulate our circadian rhythm and overall help us feel more awake in the morning and uh, more sleepy at the right time during the evening. Now, as well as circadian rhythm, we do need to factor in chronotypes, which is why I mentioned earlier on that some people feel sleepy and some people feel more energetic at different times of the day. Now, the circadian rhythm clock doesn't change person to person, but what does change is the chronotype. So the body will still do the same processes, but it will do the processes at different times. It will still do them in the same order, but some may be earlier or some may be later, dependent on your chronotype. Now, around 30% of the population is a morning lark chronotype. So these are the people that go up around 5.30 or five o'clock. They're go-getters, they're really energetic in the morning. And then in the evening, they like to go to bed early. And uh, a lot of people don't understand how these people can get up so early and go to bed so early, but it's just their natural chronotype alongside their circadian rhythm. So they're gonna feel sleepy earlier, but their body has done all the processes that the 70% of other people will be doing later in the day. So, 
if we look at this schedule as a perfect scenario and a perfect example, they're waking up at 5.30, they're having breakfast an hour later. Sex is there because generally the hormone levels for these people are higher and better in the morning than the evening because they're tired. Their body is not producing as enough testosterone or estrogen or even dopamine, things like that in the evening. So uh, as a whole, it can be better. Uh, so, you know, for those of you watching this live, have a chat with your partner if you feel like you're a morning lark, see what they say. Uh, morning routine, seven o'clock till nine, two hours to get the body going. Morning meetings and problem solving for these people was best done early on, 10 o'clock, because that's when the brain is functioning best. Creative thinking as well can be done in early afternoon. Exercise, five to six, um, can be really beneficial <clears throat> for morning larks. And then look at dinner. Dinner is six o'clock till seven. So dinner is actually very, very early. A lot of people would have dinner at seven or eight. Um, but these people need a window of at least three or four hours before bed. And that's what suits a morning lark. We look at the bedtime. 10 o'clock and in bed, uh, sorry, lights out at half past 10. So if we look at the other 70% of the chronotype is a night owl. So night owls are drastically different. So we can look at this schedule here. We can see an hour and a half difference in the wake up time. The morning routine is later on as well. Breakfast is an hour and a half later. Organizing and preparing for the day. <clears throat> Busy tasks, 11.15 rather than 10 o'clock. You know, lunch is at one o'clock as opposed to creative thinking. Tackling hard tasks is an hour later than the morning lark. Exercising is an hour later. Uh, Post-workout social hour, socialing between, socialising, sorry, between those times. Dinner is two hours later till uh, nine o'clock, eight till nine. And then best mood, socialise, sex later on again at that point in the day. Lights off, relax, go to sleep, 11 till midnight. So that's the ideal window for someone who is a night owl. So if you're resonating with any of that, that is a schedule that can give you an idea of what potentially could work best for you. So give that some thought, give that some consideration if you are resonating with a night owl because 70% of people fit into that category. So if you're trying to fit into a morning light category and you're still feeling like crap, even though you've got your routine nailed, you've got your habits nailed, potentially you are a night owl and it can be throwing off your chronotype and your circadian rhythm by trying to fit into a morning light. We've all heard of the 5 a.m. club. We've all heard of getting up early and attacking the day. Reality is it only works for 30% of people. So there's not many people that are actually going to fit into that category and it can potentially be more harmful than just going about your natural bodily instincts, which is waking up at a different time, and you'll be more productive at that time as well as a result. So give that some thought, guys. Um, and any questions at the end, then let me know. How much sleep do you need? We hear this a lot. We hear the magical eight hours for adults. Reality is most people don't need eight hours. Some people can function on seven. Some people need nine hours. Some people even need more than nine hours if they're really, really high energy, uh, such as an athlete training all day they're going to need more than nine hours of sleep they're not going to try and fit themselves into eight hours but eight hours seems to be the goal that people aim for it doesn't necessarily mean it's best for us there are only four percent of the entire population that can function on between five to six hours of sleep and actually feel fully rested so if you think i can get by on five to six hours that's fine doesn't necessarily mean you're fully rested and you don't understand what fully rested feels like because you've become so accustomed to being a certain way you're leaving a lot on the table as if you start to look at getting uh, six and a half, seven, seven and a half hours sleep. Potentially, you could feel a lot better than you already do. 
So adults and older adults, seven to nine hours is the guideline, depending on obviously your schedule, we can work around that. But um, teenagers, obviously they're gonna need more, preschoolers, toddlers, infants and newborns are gonna need considerably more sleep than adults. So uh, for those of you with kids, <clears throat> as your child grows, they're not obviously gonna fit in the same routine they were once they were a baby. So do consider that as their sleeping patterns change, they may start to feel sleepy at different times. They may need to go to bed at different times. Their bedtime routine may need to change. So do consider that and their actual needs as well. And these figures are from the, from the National Sleep Foundation. So there is more stuff on there if you wanna look at their website as well. Give yourselves a bit more information around hours when it comes to sleep. Sleep stages I mentioned are uh, 90 minutes. So we look for four to five cycles per night for people who are sleep deprived. Four cycles is obviously six hours. Five cycles is seven and a half. So we'd always start with those numbers and then we can look to increase that gradually. We're not gonna try and get someone who's currently getting five, six hours sleep and they need more into eight hours or nine hours because it's just not achievable. Uh, and if you're trying to change your sleep, you should do the same as well. Elderly and the insomniacs, of course, the same as four cycles. We'd always start with that baseline for them. Uh, sleep journal, Matt, I will be sending this over to yourself after this call. Um, this is a fantastic way of getting the um, awareness around sleep when it comes to our habits and our routines. So most people think they know what time they go to bed. Reality is they're not always looking at the clock when they go to bed. They're just going to bed at different times, depending on when they feel tired. And if they're not aware of that, then there's a potential problem. So we need to look at the time they go into bed, bring awareness to it. If any of you want to fill these out, <clears throat> more than happy to send them over to Matt and I'm more than happy to answer questions as well. Uh, if Matt, you want to send any of them to me, I'm happy to help you guys out. But I'll be sending this over, fill it out. Uh, if you really want to improve your sleep, bring awareness to your habits, your routines, what time you're exercising, what time you're stopping drinking and eating. Uh, how long were you awake? At the bottom, you can't see it on this slide here, but at the bottom, it does say what your energy levels were on a scale of one to 10 and your mood in the morning as well. So if you're going to bed at the same time, but your energy and your mood are really low, say four or five out of 10, then we need to look at going to bed earlier or possibly even later uh, and waking up later or waking up earlier, dependent on uh, what could benefit you. So all of these things, guys, will really help you understand your sleep, how your body's functioning, and then we can dive into more details off the back of that once we have a baseline of solid information in front of us. Common reasons for sleep disturbance. So I did mention earlier about um, body temperature and all sorts of um, circadian rhythm information, like eating at the right time. Now, late night eating is a massive, massive no-no. Now we've all done it. We've all gone out, we've had a drink, we've come in, we've, you know, or we've ordered food and we've come in or we've ordered food once we've got in and we've eaten it really late and then we have a terrible night's sleep wake up hungover you know next thing we do we're just dozing on the couch and we're trying to catch up on our sleep now obviously that's because we've been out late but it's a huge factor as well that we've eaten really late because the body is just not ready to digest that food it's going to ramp up the body temperature the core temperature it's going to increase the cortisol and stress response in the body because it suddenly has to stand to attention when it's really tired and fatigued and digest a huge meal or digest a late night snack. And it's going to disrupt your circadian rhythm because all of those processes that the body had already put to bed, such as the digestive process, you know, it lowered the heart rate, lowered the breathing rate, ready for sleep, all has to be ramped up again. 
the blood has to go to the stomach, the heart rate has to increase to pump the blood around the body to digest the food, the brain has to wake up and send signals and the brain wants to go to sleep. So it's gonna disrupt everything. So that's why people, um, <clears throat> excuse me, also gain weight because their body isn't metabolizing and breaking down the nutrients of the food that they've consumed. And it's ultimately being stored as fat because the body can't break it down because it wasn't ready to digest that food. So if we looked at the chronotype slide that I showed earlier, we had a three or four hour window before dinner, sorry, before bed and after dinner. So that's critical. We look to three hours or four hours if we can stretch to it to finish our food and then go to sleep. And this is the time that it um, allows the body to digest the food. It's the perfect window. If we're pushing that to an hour, so we're eating at nine and going to bed at 10, it's really going to take us a long time to sleep or we're not going to get really good sleep quality. We may still be able to drift off, but our body's probably going to wake us up in the night because we feel too hot or our stomach's going to be grumbling or our heart rate's going to be too high. Or we're just going to feel uncomfortable. So when it comes to um, the filling up the sleep journal as well, consider that, consider eating three to four hours before you actually go to bed. And I guarantee you'll probably feel a lot better for it as well. So when we look at sleep deprivation and weight loss, we link to the first slides when I talked about a risk of obesity. Your metabolism is going to slow down, obviously, as I previously mentioned. We're going to have an increase in appetite because the body is wanting carbs and processed food to decrease the levels of cortisol that it has because it's stressed and it's tired. And naturally, we'll, we want to comfort eat. We want to seek out convenience food. The body doesn't want to cook. The body doesn't want to seek um, meals that are going to take a long time. We're going to make rash decisions. We're going to make quick decisions that are convenient for us because that's what our body needs. We're going to do a lot of these unconsciously as well, guys. We're not actually going to think about what we want to eat. We're just going to go, oh, I fancy this. I fancy that. And we're going to get it. We're not going to think, actually, that's bad for me because that's what the brain wants us to do. The brain wants us to get energy and sugar and fast digestible food into our system to increase serotonin to make us feel good because there's so much damage going on inside. So alongside that, we have an increase in ghrelin and leptin. It's 20% for ghrelin and 15% for leptin. So 35% overall, they are the hunger hormones. Uh, you may already not already know that, but ghrelin controls our urge to eat and leptin controls our appetite and our satisfaction. It tells us when we're full. So if we have a 35% increase overall, it's effectively the same as eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then another dinner, because we've already had our caloric intake for the day and our food but the body doesn't know that. The body's getting wrong signals sent to it by the brain because it's sleep deprived. So it will send more hormones. It will tell the stomach to you know, create more hormones and drive the urge to eat more, even though we've already had the food because it's out of balance and it's out of sync. So poor decisions, we crave high fat and high carb food as I've previously mentioned. We make around 200 food choices per day subconsciously. So that may sound crazy, but that's how we're wired to do and how we're, <clears throat> how we're wired to do when it comes to um, seeking out food and how we are wired to make the decisions when it comes to what's best for us. So if we're sleep deprived, obviously the brain's going to be thinking what's best for me now is a pizza or a chocolate bar or something like that, because it's quick, it's sugary. I can digest it quickly. If we're not sleep deprived subconsciously, the brain is going to be thinking, right, I've got the energy to cook. I've got the energy to have really high protein, you know, good fat, good carb food. And then it's going to say to the conscious mind, there's around a six second delay between those two, go in the kitchen and cook. 
and rather than get in the car and drive to McDonald's. And that is how, in a nutshell, our brain will make those decisions for us. And then the conscious mind will take over and we'll go out and we'll do what we need to do. So it's a huge, huge factor. I can go into so much more information around this, but it's something I'm really passionate about when it comes to overall health. Sleep deprivation is gigantic when it comes to weight loss. So again, questions, guys, please ask them at the end and I'm more than happy to elaborate in even more detail if you want me to. <clears throat> so the most abused substance in the world, it is the humble coffee bean. It is by far caffeine or coffee or tea as a whole. So if we look at how much caffeine is in someone's system, and this person is taking three cups per day, which is about the average for most people. We have probably two or three cups per day in a working day. So this person has their first cup at 8 a.m. They wake up at 6. By 9 a.m., they've got 100 milligrams of caffeine in their body. Now, 12 p.m., they have their second cup. They have 166 milligrams. Then we see a slight dip. Then we see a third cup taken. And then by 3 p.m., we have 210 milligrams. Now, if we look, this person's going to bed at 8 hours after they've had their third cup at 11 p.m., they still have 70 milligrams of caffeine in their body, which is the equivalent to about a can and a half of Coca-Cola. Full fat coat, that is, the bad stuff. So 6 a.m., 24 hours after this person has woken up, they still have 27 milligrams of caffeine in their body. So you can imagine if someone's having four, five, six cups of caffeine a day and they're in this cycle, they're going to bed and the caffeine is still pumping through their body. Now, most people will think, well, I can go to sleep. I can have an espresso after dinner and I can go to sleep. It's fantastic, but it's probably because you've got really low caffeine sensitivity. It doesn't mean that the caffeine is not affecting you and affecting your brain when it comes to sleep any different to someone who can have a cup of espresso and feel wired after. So this is what we need to consider. Our sleep quality, again, is so critical. We can have caffeine, we can fall asleep. Brilliant. Doesn't mean you're getting good quality sleep. You wake up, you go through the same routine, you have more caffeine because you still feel lethargic and you become dependent on it. And that in turn lowers your caffeine sensitivity even lower. So that's when we end up in the vicious cycle where we have six, seven, eight cups a day just to get through the day. And we uh, experience regularly poor sleep. So it's so critical that we address this because caffeine is consumed like, a, you know, like it's going out of fashion. People reach for it first thing in the morning. They get it on a drive-through on the way to work. They have it uh, in a tea break in the morning. They have it in lunch. I've been in this position myself when I was in my old corporate job. I used to have so much caffeine to get through meetings and all sorts of things. And my sleep was all over the place. And that was a result of it. I became dependent on caffeine. And I know so many people are in this position as well. So I'll dive into caffeine more later on when it comes to routines in the morning and how it can benefit you if you delay it. But if we look for um, a cutoff point of 2 p.m., that could be really beneficial for most people. Amount of caffeine per cup. Uh, I did mention 70 milligrams can and a half of Coke. So 40 milligrams is in a can of Coke. 27 milligrams is a shot of espresso. That chart was showing 24 hours after that person woken up that they had 27 milligrams in their blood still. Now that may seem quite low for a shot of espresso, but the reality is espresso is a really small dose. And it's just strong in taste. It's a concentrated shot. Uh, hot chocolate, still got nearly 20 milligrams of caffeine in it. Some people have those before bed um, to relax them, which is great. You know, you'll drift off to sleep, but again, your sleep quality won't be as good as it could be because you've still got caffeine in your body. When we look at the top end of the scale, obviously Red Bull, instant coffee, brewed coffee, 
huge amounts of caffeine. Um, I've worked with people who have had 10 cups of instant coffee a day, which is just a huge amount, 820 milligrams on average in their body at any one time. And it has no effect a lot of the time because they just become so used to it and uh, their sleep is just all over the place. So we gradually, if you're at the extreme end of the scale, obviously you gradually have to wean you off it. But the benefits of not having caffeine or cutting back on caffeine can be absolutely monumental when it comes to improving your sleep. Morning routine, I will be sending over again, morning routine documents for you guys to help your morning routines. Uh, ideally, we look for <clears throat> about 20 to 60 minutes for a morning routine. So I'll be sending over a document to Matt that he can roll out to you guys and it will give you some idea of things you can incorporate into your morning routine. The main principle here though, is that we make it our own. We don't look at the document and take it as gospel. We go, oh, that'll work for me. That may work for me. That may not work for me. And then we incorporate things that will give us um, the best start of the day and move our body from zero to 100 as soon as we've woken up. And that can really help your circadian rhythm and it can really help your day-to-day -day energy and it can help to regulate your sleep patterns as well. Evening routine, again, I'll send a document that covers evening routine with the same thing. Lots of points on there for you guys, some information. Uh, the main thing for with evening routine though is we move from light to dark and warm to cool. And I did mention temperature and I did mention light as well. So they are massive influences when it comes to actually winding down the sleep. So what the best sleep of your life could mean for you. So of course, more time back into your schedule. You're getting the sleep that you need. You're getting eight hours in bed in total and you're getting seven and a half or seven hours of really solid sleep or you're getting nine hours in bed. You're getting eight hours, eight and a half hours, whatever's best for you. You're not guessing. You're not spending 10 hours in bed and getting only six hours. And they're waking up, making mistakes, procrastinating, time wasting, uh, stressed because you can't do all the work you need to do. So if you're getting the right sleep, obviously you're getting more time back into your day. Improving your immunity is a no brainer. Of course, your cells are regenerating faster. You're removing toxins. You're going to feel better. Your body's just functioning better if it's resting and repairing properly. Science shows you live longer. Again, no brainer slows down aging and increases your longevity it slows down injury risk it slows down muscle deterioration slows down um, skin deterioration you know the elasticity in the skin can be a huge sign someone's sleep deprived you know they've got bags in their eyes they've got loads of wrinkles they've had a tough life all um, of that can be prevented or can be um, can be improved by in optimal sleep obviously Productivity ties in with the first point, more time back into your schedule. And we lose weight and we gain muscle. We lose weight because the body can metabolize fat faster and break down the nutrients from the food and remove toxins and waste. We gain muscle because we can get the proper release of human growth hormone from the pituitary gland. And ultimately, again, we remove lactic acid, we remove waste products from the body and the muscles can be repaired and uh, increase in size when we're getting the sleep that we need. So five things to do this week, guys. Get enough sunlight, artificial light. I know it's summer in the UK at the moment. The weather's not been great recently, but we still get light in the morning. And it's so crucial that we get that uh, first thing or as soon as we can in the morning. Reason being, again, it will help the circadian rhythm. It tells the master clock in the brain that it's time to go. It shuts down the melatonin or completely cuts it off, gets everything else fired up. The brain goes, right, it's time to attack the day. If we're walking around in a dark room, the brain still thinks it's, it's dark. 
it doesn't know the difference. It knows that we're up, but it still thinks it's the middle of the night. So it's not going to stop everything and uh, get everything going for the day because it hasn't seen sunlight yet. So get the sunlight, or even if you've got um, such thing as a Lumi lamp or something like that, alarm clock, get your artificial light if you can in the morning. Stop eating and drinking three hours before bed. I mentioned, told you about the things behind that to get digestion complete. Avoid screens 60 to 90 minutes before bed. We've heard about blue light blocking glasses. You can buy them. Some of them could be really good. Some of them can be uh, rubbish. So please read the reviews. Uh, any questions around those, more than happy to answer them. They can really, really help. But ideally, cut out all screens 60 to 90 minutes before bed to get the best benefit. Hydrate first thing in the morning. You lose around a litre of water whilst you're sleeping due to dehydration from breathing and sweating. In the summer, we're gonna sweat because it's hot. Uh, it's hard to regulate body temperature in the bedroom when we're sleeping due to the heat. So we need to hydrate first thing. One liter is the golden rule. If you don't wanna drink a liter when you wake up or within an hour of waking, you know, get 500 mils in the first hour, then the second hour, get another 500 mils. And I guarantee you'll feel a lot better. Stop drinking caffeine after 2 p.m. as I previously mentioned. And the 90 minutes there at the end is to link in with the first point of, uh, sorry, the uh, penultimate point of hydrating first thing. We don't wanna be drinking caffeine first thing, we want to have the water and then delay our caffeine for 90 minutes. Reason being, we saw earlier on the circadian rhythm side that we had a cortisol spike in the morning. So if we're having caffeine, the caffeine's actually competing with the cortisol and it's having no effect at all. So you may think the caffeine's having an effect, but your cortisol levels are rising in the morning. So that's why you feel good doesn't do any good to have the caffeine at that particular time because it will just be blocked out by the cortisol and when the caffeine will wear off you'll feel cr you'll crash so if we have a delay we allow the cortisol to do its thing and adrenaline as well in the morning will help alongside cortisol those things wear off after around 90 minutes then we have the caffeine boom the caffeine is then like rocket fuel and we don't need to have three, four, five, six, seven, eight cups of coffee to get us through the day because the first cup of coffee has had such a huge impact and it's actually had no blockade or anything that's going to stop it affecting our body as it needs to. So this is how we gradually wean off caffeine. We do the 2 p.m. cutoff. If you can't do 2 p.m., try 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. and dial it back. But do the 90-minute delay in the morning and then the cutoff point will be far, far easier to achieve Again, any questions, feel free to ask. Bonuses, Matt, I've mentioned sleep journal. Uh, morning and evening routines, I mentioned the other one I'll send is bedroom products as well. Certain things that the sleep performance coach recommends. You guys feel free to do your own research, do your due diligence and check out the products that we recommend. They are very, very good and they can help improve your sleep, uh, especially in the winter times as well when it comes to getting light. Now, with that being said, it is time to do Q&A. So I'll stop my screen. And uh, yeah, Q&A time. So back over to you, Matt. Absolutely incredible. What I want to do very, very quickly is I want to just take 30 seconds, team. I'm going to put on a little bit of music. And I just want you to scribble down what was your biggest takeaway and what are you going to do differently here? because Gary has went through and presented all of the information that you need and then <coughs> you can understand. And the biggest thing I always want everybody to take away from information is not saying Gary said this, Gary said that, Gary said this. When you can look at information, you'd be like, 
that makes sense. If I've put that into my life, that will make a difference. So just spend the next 30 seconds, scribble down a couple of thoughts, and uh, we will come back for our q and I'm just going to put on some tunes. Take 30 seconds, team, and uh, any questions, get them in the chat box just now. Matt, I'm just going to grab a drink, mate. So I very quickly want to just summarize some keynotes that I took away there. Um, first and foremost, I think people don't really understand or have the awareness that we're sleep deprived and we normalize this low feeling of sort of uh, performance in the day-to-day -day life in and out of the gym. The benefits are absolutely incredible. I mean, it boils all the way down to a chemical level within, again, your energy cells in terms of ATP, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's... Again, the biological rhythms and there's the clocks and the solar clocks with regards to like uh, solar. So sunlight exposure and new eating, circadian rhythms. Again, everything just falls into place. And when it does, you naturally just improve everything as a byproduct. The results come weight loss, muscle gain, overall performance, memory, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it was quite really interesting for me. 30% of people are morning people. Uh, I'm one of those few, I suppose. Um, I think the metabolism was obviously a huge one. And then as well, just the decision-making fatigue. I think that's absolutely incredible. Um, mm. A big one, of course, was just caffeine intake with regards to time. I'm uh, really looking forward to getting stuck into these, these exercises that you gave us as well, just with regards to morning uh, and evening routines, as well as sort of sleep journals. Biggest takeaways, as I said, is just weight loss, productivity, human error, longevity, immunity. You live longer. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of those. Um, so team, get a couple of shares in the chat box. We've also got a bunch of questions. So we're just going to very quickly try and rattle through a couple of those. Um, very quick one, just you spoke a little bit about sleep cycles and sleep ones. Um, is it better just to focus on a certain amount of sleep cycles per week? Or is it better to get eight hours? Like again, you're saying 90 minutes, like so if that's four weeks was what was that like 30 to 36 90 minute cycles a week like 
Is it better to be focused on that? Because am I right or wrong in saying that the first two you get more effective sleep cycles? Is that fact or false? Um, well, yeah, you get your deep sleep earlier on in the night. So the first couple of cycles, you'll go through uh, non-REM sleep uh, stage two. And then you'll go into uh, non-REM sleep stage three, which is deep sleep. Then you'll go through uh, cycles two and four, which will be light sleep transitioning into REM sleep, the cycles five and six. So if we're getting six cycles, then that's ideal. Um, and I wouldn't really focus on, because it's, it's hard, because you can get bogged down in the data. You can yeah. focus all you want on the cycles. The reality is, your focus and your attention is only on your one thing. You need to be looking at sleep as a whole. You need to be looking, right, what am I doing in the morning, in the evening, and throughout the day to get the sleep that I need? If we're just focusing on cycles, we can become completely distracted from our actual habits and our routines that are beneficial. And we just go about it subconsciously. We're not training anything new because we're just focusing on a number. So that's my personal opinion. Um, obviously, cycle focus can be beneficial, but we need to incorporate all the other stuff first. And then, and only then can we go, yeah, I got a solid four or five cycles, you know, or six cycles last night uh, and I feel good. And then, you know, we can build on that. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Jay, I have seen your question, but I know that we could unbox and we can go off on that one. So I just want to run through the sort of quick fire ones, if that's okay with you. Um, what are your top three tips for anyone working on night shift? How do they manage that? I have a couple of clients who work night shift. Yeah, night shift's a difficult one because it goes against everything biologically that the human being, a human being is supposed to do. Uh, the, the biggest thing that I would recommend is timing, even more so than just a normal person. Um, when it comes to knowing your shift, obviously you know the hours you're working. You can time your food during the day. You can time your naps as well if you need to. And everything has to be regimented on a schedule to make sure your body's functioning best it can. It can be very, very difficult to negotiate around. And I, I do massively empathize with people who work night shift. My dad used to do it. He was a firefighter for 30 years. Uh, you know, he used to work 6 p.m. to 9 a.m. You know, get up at 2 a.m. in the morning, and go and cut something out of the car and all sorts of stuff, and then come home and crash on the sofa for like six hours. So I understand how hard it can be. Um, there's no one... Uh, piece yeah. of advice I can give apart from timing whatever works for you in regards to eating at a certain time um, going to uh, bed at a certain time and having absolutely no distractions I don't want any family members walking in I want the room to be as dark and as cool as possible to help you get the deepest sleep so really give that some consideration as well um, all of these tips are kind of one percent marginal gains there's no like massive blueprint I can give you to completely eradicate tiredness and sleep deprivation from the night shift. Right. Um, but I'm happy to send over some links amount of things I recommend. Uh, yeah. I can go into so much detail around it, but I'm more than happy to send over some information. I've got loads of documents, night shift documents. I've got some um, articles online that I've, I've researched myself and I'm happy to send them over to you. Yeah, that'd be amazing. I know that when uh, lockdown hit last year, I've only been doing, I've only been working as an online PT since January, so eight weeks 
gyms shut down. Uh, I actually yeah. worked night shift with Amazon for like four months to keep the lights on. Um, and yeah, I found that eating with my circadian rhythm was the, the best thing in terms of don't eat after nine o'clock at night, don't eat before six o'clock in the morning. That was the one thing, it's just basically don't eat during your shift, it was just try yeah. at regular time. But as I said, that's uh, kind of obviously the main thing. Um, this is just a quick tip. Uh, this is my own personal one. Uh, I often wake up at half five. I'm usually at the gym for six o'clock and I usually do have a kind of a coffee before that. Is there any need in that or is it just a pre-workout? That's just an old habit I have. Yeah, if you need pre-workout, you haven't slept enough. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair that's enough. A, I'm a massive, massive believer in that. And people will debate me all day long. But if, you, if you're buying pre-workout, you're tired. Why do you need pre-workout to work out? If your body's regulated properly, it will be able to perform at the set time you're asking it to. That's yeah. so, yeah, I, I've been there, Matt, honestly. Like when I was used to work <laughs> like a job, I'd be like, oh, I need to go to gym tonight. I'd be getting in at seven. I'd be having a coffee to get me wow. through. I'd just be like, I'd just be all over the place. But yeah, I know how you feel, mate. But if you can cut the caffeine off, I, I guarantee because you're getting more cortisol when you're working out anyway. Yeah, true. So once you get going, you won't need the energy boost. And then if you want the coffee after, which oh, I doubt you will, because you'll be wired from your workout. Yeah, true. Yeah, then it's your choice. A um, couple of big takeaways. Jillian is just setting light in before work and mornings, not watching Netflix in bed. Uh, Martin, speaking about <laughs> rhythm, do you have any tips? Yeah, in terms of changing shift patterns. So if one person works like nine till six, and then what the next day works 12 till eight, um, do you... What are your thoughts on circadian? Just try to keep it as consistent as you can or? Yeah, again, Martin, that's a very difficult one to answer, mate, because you are, are you, are, you, are you happy to open up your microphone, Martin? I can, I can chat to you one-to-one. -one. Hey, man, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, awesome. So, yeah, tell me a bit about your current, um, your current shift. Yeah, so, um, so my shift pattern changes. It's normally, I'm up about maybe like just before 7 a.m. Um, for like a kind of, quarter to eight till kind of half past four um shift and then it would change to kind of 12 o'clock till about maybe quarter to 12 till half eight and um, but i often find by the time um i'm like fin i'm often find i'm going to bed earlier um for the the earlier shift you know but then when i'm mm. when i finish my later shift i'm often up for hours because i feel like wired mm. um so it's, it's not I, I could probably still go to a bed roughly at the same time but I just I do I find that my body clock just doesn't I don't know like tonight I'm going I'm finishing I'm still I'm still at work well working if you can say that but I'm still working just now um but I'll, I know I'll be wired um for like a good few hours um and I know I'm up tomorrow early for the shift um okay. so it's like it just kind of changes you know it's a uh, it's that change that's confusing and um, my body feels a bit like cause I always feel really tired in the morning for those early shifts. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, like, it's like mini jet lag, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Like, um, like I said earlier with the shift work, I mean, timing is everything. So, mm. you know, eating at the same time, um, exercising at the same time, even if you're wired from an evening shift, I would in, I would seriously consider incorporating a relaxation technique. Uh, right. Listening to an audio book or, um, in, you know, even in a dark room, just go into, a, go into your bedroom, have a really dull light, listen to an audio book, really calm down don't watch tv or anything that's gonna you know don't watch avengers infinity war or something like that it's gonna, yeah it's gonna mm -hmm. uh, get you aroused and get you fired up you know we need to be have something that you can go to for like 30 minutes 
yeah like breath work like a Wim Hof breathing technique really help move your body into a parasympathetic nervous system rest and digest yeah. so you're just going oh yeah I feel a lot more relaxed now and then yeah. you can start preparing for sleep I would say don't worry too much about timing your bedtime at exactly the same time you can mm-hmm. get away with 30 to 60 minutes of leniency right understand right modern life happens like I'm, I'm an entrepreneur Matt's an entrepreneur we have businesses to run. We cannot be going to bed on the minute every single night at the same time. It's just impossible. Life gets in the way. But if we have the ideal blueprint of what works for us that we can revert back to, this is the whole point of sleep optimization. Once we understand what works best for us, if we go off track, we can easily get back on track rather than falling into our old habits and going, oh, you know, I'm going to go to bed at 1 a.m. And you know, I'm yeah. going to stay in that bad habit again. We can get back mm-hmm. on track. And we have a 30 to 60 minute window where we go, this is what's best for my body. I may not get the best sleep of my life every single night, but I know that I'm going to be, I'm going to feel a damn sight better than if I just went at it erratically. And I guess when I was going to go to bed. So if you get in it, if you're getting in, did you say eight o'clock your evening shift or half eight? Yeah. I've just, sometimes can I, can I have between eight and half eight? I'll be finished. Yeah. So if you're getting in at that time, um are you eating late or are you having dinner late uh no i, I normally have dinner about the, the kind of same time every night and I, i'm actually quite bad for often that it's it, kind of eight o'clock shift I'll, I'll go and do a workout straight after it uh, <laughs> <laughs> because i know i'm going to be wired anyway so i just go yeah. and do it and, and then i can and maybe that's maybe that's what's messing me up you know um could but, be yeah. yeah it could be because if you're if your body's producing cortisol and you work out, as I said to Matt earlier on, so you're going to feel wired and cortisol uh, doesn't know when to turn off. It's not like you can just do something and it turns it off. It, it's dependent on nutrition and it needs carbs to turn it off. As I mentioned earlier, carbs produce serotonin, good carbs produce serotonin uh, that shuts off the cortisol. And that's what the body is producing of hot, massive amounts of when we're sleep deprived. So it's the same for exercise. Cortisol gets a bad rap because it's, it's labeled as the stress hormone. It's actually a, a hormone that the body needs critically to function. Mm-hmm. So when we're working out, we're producing it. So we need good carbs, you know, sweet potato or quinoa, something like that, to shut off the cortisol and produce serotonin. If you're not getting that because you've already mm-hmm. eaten, you're going to feel wired. That's why you feel you're buzzed and you can't relax. So mm-hmm. I would consider if you're doing the early shift, is it possible you could work out at say, you know, half six, seven o'clock in the morning and keep that consistent? I mean, I could, I could probably try. <laughs> but, yeah. That mornings, good, mornings for me, man. Mornings are just, oh, no. Yeah. I think that leads perfectly into Jillian's questions. We just have two more questions and you can just couple these up. Uh, Gary, would you? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Cheers. Jillian just asked one, well, one, um, how accurate are Fitbits or Apple Watches for tracking sleep? And then two, um, Jillian, very similar to Martin, her shift pattern changes. She feels like she gets a lot more out of the day when she gets a morning workout in, but Mm -hmm. she can easily get caught up. Jillian, please excuse me if I'm I'm wrong, jump in. Um, But she can get caught up in her morning workouts maybe not being as effective as she likes. And she feels she gets a better workout a little bit later on the day when she's had a bit more food, but she now likes to kind of be in the morning and then have the evening to herself. But she would consider herself a night owl. So it's like, I like to work out at half seven. I don't get that good at workout, but it frees up the evening and allows me to do more what I want. She's kind of in this catch right through. Jillian, anything to add on to that? Or is that? 
yeah, I think like if I have to work out in the morning, like for example, if I'm starting work at like 11 and finishing at eight, I'll work out in the morning, but because like I don't feel fully awake, I feel like I'm not like performing at my best. Whereas if I'm on the early shift and I'm starting at half seven, finishing at four, mm. I'll go to the gym at four o'clock and feel absolutely great. Mm. Okay. Yeah, then it sounds, like, sounds to me like, you know, that afternoon slot is 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 best for you. Um, mm-hmm. Muscle function is probably a lot better because your circadian rhythm is regulating at that, at that time. Uh, cell activation will be higher as well. Um, you know, you've got the nutrients from the day as well and your body's rhythm is telling you to work out at that time. But that's where you feel better. So are you trying to fit into a morning lark chronotype? Are you trying to pack your skin? I feel like I would be more productive if I was like more of a morning person. Yeah. Okay. So, mm, okay. <laughs> I've got a lot. I could, I could, I'm trying to think of an answer, like a simple answer. Cause I could talk about this for quite a while. Um, yeah. I, I, I resonate with that Jillian. Uh, personally, a lot of my clients do as well. You know, they think this, they have to, if they're entrepreneurs, they have to get up early and attack the day. Um, but you've got to do what's best for you. Uh, your shifts aren't that bad. Um, yeah, no, they're not. They're not yeah, that bad. They're not crazy early. They're not crazy late. Um, my advice is to fill out the sleep journal um, and okay. see what your energy levels are like in the morning. See what time you're eating consistently. See what time you're going to bed. And then understand how your body and energy is day to day. And then I would consider building your schedule around your sleep not your sleep around your schedule so mm-hmm. most people will go oh, i've got to, i've got to work 15 hours today i can only sleep for six and you know then i'm going to eat for three or you know i have a break for an hour and have two hours to eat or whatever reality is you if you go right i need eight hours of sleep to feel at my absolute best which gives me you know the rest of the day to do what I need to do. So how can I break that down around my shifts? So if I'm working at this time, you can have two schedules. You can go, right, if I work this shift, I can work out this time. And it's sort of within an hour or two of, you know, when you would would be best or say Mm -hmm. two hours of when you would be best. So you're not throwing your body off crazy. And then you go, right, I'll eat at this time. So it's within like 30 minutes of when you would eat if you're working a different shift. That's how we we can break it down because if we're keeping everything in our mind and we're trying to just adapt and the flow and it just becomes overwhelming and then we can get distracted. We can go, Oh yeah, actually, I think I feel better if I did this. I think I'd feel better if I did that because what you've already tried isn't working. But yeah. You don't know for sure if it's not going to work because you ne- haven't necessarily done it for long enough consistently to go, this is how I feel. You know, if I eat at this time, if I sleep at this time, if I drink at this time, all sorts of other things that can help. So that's just my personal, you know, take on what you said. Feel free to take out what you want. You know, completely disregard everything I've just said. I really don't care. Uh, it's, it's up to you. All of the stuff I say is advice. It's not gospel by any means. Everything I say is also debatable. There's plenty of other people that would say to me, well, well Gary, what about this? Gary, what about that? It's just my personal experience in the field that I'm in and the experience I've had through sleep, exercise, sorting out my nutrition and my health um and what works for me so obviously Gillian feel free to try have your split schedule understand if you're working this shift I can fit into this schedule and if I'm working that shift I can fit into this schedule and mm-hmm. then get that. but do the sleep journal first and then go from there do it incrementally 
And over time, you'll probably start to see some changes that you can pick on and go, actually, that really worked for me. I'll take that piece and I'll take that piece. And over time, we can build the optimal schedule for you. Amazing. Appreciate it. Thanks, mate. All right. No worries. Right. Uh, we're going to be respectful of time, but last one. I feel this, um, this can... <laughs> Jenny, can you do your very best to keep this short and <laughs> safe as possible? Yeah. And Gary, if you love sleep, you're in for an absolute treat here. Now, bear in mind, we need to shut off screens 90 minutes before bed. So I need to be in bed by half nine, guys. Jay, <laughs> 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 um, if you can give this 60-second rundown. Yeah, cool. Um, Gary, thank you for all of that. That was awesome. Um, and I will start by saying I would love to catch up with you after this based on what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> basically, all the hormones and the corticosteroids and everything that you mentioned there, I don't have. Um, I had a brain tumor removed about five years ago. It is back. I have no pituitary gland and therefore no hormone production. And uh, as all my lovely mates keep saying, I'm a 40-year-old bloke on hormone replacement therapy. So um, it's uh, a challenge. Sleep is chronically crap to be honest with you um i am lucky if i have any energy in the morning and the, the cortisol in the morning comes at half past eight in tablet form um before i can get moving and my medication is set at specific times i'm more concerned with the sleepy side of things the melatonin um, coming through um and if there is any foods nutrition medications anything like that that can improve melatonin production or replace the melatonin production because it's rare that i feel tired at night i have my last medication at 10 o'clock at night i am excuse me in my bed for half 10 11 most nights because i know that that's what i should be doing at that time not because i feel i have to mm, okay jay uh you know first off you know my condolences for, for your current situation i you know massive massive sympathy for you there my friend but there's always things we can do to make it easier um first off are you taking vitamin d and vitamin b they're my first vitamin d yes vitamin b no right take vitamin b take a really good vitamin b supplement now do some research there is a chap called that we're actually affiliated with in the states called dr daniel amen he has um he's the united states leading brain surgeon um, there's a lot of research on him. He's written, you know, over 500 different papers, neuroscience, and all sorts of stuff. Cool. Um, I could probably actually get you 10% off that as well with our, with our codes. So I'll speak mm -hmm. to Angus, but his stuff is called brain MD. Uh, it's really, really good. And it will help, uh, the internal processes when it comes to sleep, vitamin D and vitamin B alongside L tryptophan are huge, huge, uh, supplements that you can take when it comes to helping with sleep and helping with melatonin. Now, especially vitamin B3, which is called niacin, um, it links to L-tryptophan. So L-tryptophan is an amino acid that the body doesn't produce. So we need to get it from diet, but we also need the food to be broken down properly. So if we're sensitive to certain things, we can't take it, it can, you know, we need to supplement. So of course we can take L-tryptophan as a supplement. Now, if it links to vitamin B3, they basically piggyback off each other. It's like a chain link. So the vitamins broken down, you know, they bond and they're broken down by the body. And then off the back of those being broken down, melatonin production can be increased. There's a direct link between the two. I'd rather recommend you took those than actually take something like 5-HTP, which mm -hmm. is 5-hydroxytryptophan, um, which can help with melatonin. So hydroxytryptophan and L-tryptophan are completely different. I recommend L-tryptophan 
and then niacin B3, or just a vitamin B supplement of really good quality, which will contain vitamin B3. So those two together can be really, really beneficial um, to increasing sleep. I'd recommend taking them with dinner, and I'd also recommend taking the vitamin B3 in the morning. So you'd have two doses. So B3 in the morning, B3 in the evening with tryptophan about three hours before bed with dinner. And then um, hopefully that can help you feel a bit more sleepy at the right time. That's obviously without going into too much detail, but that's what I know when it comes to sleep supplements. We can have a conversation for an hour, mate, if you really want to, but there's a lot of stuff around that that I've looked into um, and a lot of studies and papers that have been written around the benefits of those supplements and those vitamins. Cool. Amazing. That is certainly something I will take away and try out. Thank you. Um, open to chat anytime if you want to. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, as long, as long as Matt's happy with that, I don't want to yeah, show him your toes, Matt. Um, I'm not here to steal your clients, mate. <laughs> no, no, at all. By all means, again, Jay's an old friend of mine. We've uh, we done our massage course together like six years ago. God. Um, so, yeah, no, by all means, I'll pass over email addresses. And, I'd, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Okay, awesome. It was just amazing to just watch Gary geek out on that. It was just it was class. So, um, team, I'm going to re- end the recording there. Thank you so much. If you're listening to this back on the podcast, write down the word sleep in the comments down below alongside your biggest takeaway. And as well, Gary, a little bit of a selfish plug for yourself. Uh, Instagram handles, go check them out. What is it? It's just Gary J. Allman. Gary James Allman, full name. Gary James Allman. Yeah. Gary James Allman. Make sure you check him out. 